Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist, to focus more on the emotional connection than the technical merit. Because every movie makes us feel something. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to a new full episode of Feelin' Film Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron, and with me for our third conversation in a row about a film released on HBO Max, apparently it's our new go-to, are my co-hosts, Coles. What's happening? And making his return from a much-deserved break, Patrick. I was trying to do a little, like, air horn. I couldn't do it. Hi. Good to be back. That was an air horn? (laughs) (laughs) You had three months to work on that, and that's what you came up with? Let's do that again. Let's roll it back. (laughs) It's good to be back. Well, it's good to have you back. Now, we are definitely excited to get into this discussion, but before that, we wanted to give you a brief update on the state of the pod. Because you may have realized that there was a three-week gap between main episodes. Going forward, uh, Patrick and I have decided on a more casual approach overall for the show. And what that means is you may not see a new main episode every single week. And it's likely that we won't be covering most new releases on their opening weekend. We are going to reserve that for several films throughout the year that we're very excited about, like our most anticipated ones that we are almost completely assured are not going to flop. But we don't want to run into any more Jurassic World 2 situations where we are like, oh, it's the big thing to talk about this week, so we're going to talk about it, and then we don't really want to talk about it because it's no fun. So we're going to try to avoid that. We are going to focus on films that we enjoy, and that means we're probably going to dig into the backlog a bit. Our conversations are better that way. That's what we think. They're more edifying to us, and we think that they are ultimately more enjoyable for you. We will keep you abreast of what is coming up via our social media accounts, of course, and also FF Plus will continue going strong most every single week with Coles and myself reviewing upcoming new films. Now, One quick note before we move into the film, and that is a quick plug for our progress towards reaching a Rotten Tomatoes goal. Now, if you've listened to FF Plus in recent weeks, we've mentioned this a couple times, but we wanted to throw it on the main show at least once as well. Um, We have to hit a certain amount of ratings on Apple Podcasts in order to qualify for Rotten Tomatoes. Now, what's going to qualify? Kolesanai's new movie reviews is what will qualify for Rotten Tomatoes. It's the equivalent of Kolesanai writing a review. It's just an audio format. Rotten Tomatoes is catching up to this slowly but surely. But in order to allow us to do that, we have to have 200 ratings, and it can only be from this one specific podcast platform. We know that's frustrating to you, those of you who use Androids, like myself, who can't just pop onto your app and give us a rating. That the ways you can do it are via an iPhone, an iPad, or via iTunes, the program on a computer. So if you have the ability to go to one of those devices, if you have friends, you have family members, if you have three or four kids that all have their own iPhone and iTunes account, go and drop a rating for us with all of those. Just a five-star rating. You don't have to write words and do a review. Just a rating. That's all we need. If we get to 200, we can apply again. They've shut us down. We meet all the other requirements. Uh, so far, you guys have been awesome. In recent weeks, we've had a bunch of new ones. We're up to 175. We are so close. We are 25 away. And I know that 25 people listening right now probably haven't done it. If you've been holding out, this is your time. 
you can help push us over that threshold. And then guess what? You won't ever have to listen to me talk about it again because we will be at 200 and that's all we need. So this is our ask. We would appreciate your help. Thank you very much. And thanks for letting us ramble and make this uh, ask for you. So with that out of the way, one more takeaway time. Kales, why don't you get us started? Oftentimes when we have or we see that new video game film is coming out, you'll get people who justifiably feel, oh, another one, or just not really looking forward to it. And I was one of those people. When this was announced that a new Mortal Kombat film was being released, I thought back to the original 90s films that I loved, and then I thought back to the general trend of video game films being outright bad and not being tributes to the material that they are based on. But I was wrong. And it felt gratifying to see that Mortal Kombat is a great video game film. Not a great film, but a great video game film. And I say that because I felt the spirit of the game that I grew up playing and the game that I still play now with friends and family, I felt it in this film. It was gratifying seeing Jax with his big heavy arms and it was gratifying to see Liu Kang do his 20 hit combo flying kick in the air. It was gratifying seeing Zub Zero and Scorpion fight. It was gratifying seeing all the characters that I knew and love being a part of this film and being designed very well. It felt like that the filmmakers actually studied the game and brought it to life on the screen. So me personally, I was gratified with how this film turned out and it's a good feeling to have. Patrick? What about you? Where did you land with your one more takeaway? I landed um, with an almost flawless victory. No, that's not right. <laughs> the one <laughs> more takeaway that I had was opportunity. And I remember as I was watching this and trying to get, honestly, trying to get back into the swing of like, okay, I've got to think about a connecting point. I've got to think about my one word. How am I going to look at this? But opportunity came to mind because of the fact that this rendition or this installment, uh, this version of Mortal Kombat was an opportunity not only to tackle the fandom that is attached to it, you know, making sure that you pay homage to your fans, but also to provide an opportunity to update the product a little bit. It's gone through several iterations before what I would call the original trilogy and the original seven. And so when you have this new version that's come out, it's following on the heels of some pretty stellar versions of MK 10 and 11. And it's also being given the opportunity to be what people loved about Mortal Kombat, which is all about the gore, all about the kills. I mean, this is essentially a slasher movie without the horror, without Jason, without Freddy. And it's appropriate in a lot of ways. So you kind of go into it thinking, all right, I know what Mortal Kombat is. I've either played it or I haven't, or I've heard about it. So seeing that kind of stuff play out on the big screen, being able to see sort of the essence of what Mortal Kombat is, was, and what it is to its fans really was an opportunity that was not missed by any means. I agree with Kales. I don't think it's a great movie. But, Kalesh, you said it really well. It's a great video game movie. And I think it's important to be able to, maybe in the future, from a filmmaker's point of view, be able to differentiate that. Semantically say, okay, what makes a great 
video game movie. Just like what makes a great book to movie adaptation. It's going to be subjective. That's what art is. But at the very least, it definitely manages expectations when you realize, okay, if Mortal Kombat is a great video game movie, how do we answer that question? What makes it good? And we have a template for that. Because I think that was an opportunity that was very much uh, taken, and it made it a great video game movie for me. Awesome. Well, I think we're all kind of in the same ballpark here, which is good. It's going to make for a fun conversation. I went with the word better, and that is because I think that it is a better version of the Mortal Kombat films that we've had in the past. I am not including the recent Mortal Kombat animated film that was made that focuses on Scorpion. So that is not the one I'm talking about. I'm talking about live action here. That is an excellent film, and I would highly recommend seeking that out. It is extremely uber-violent, though. Like, major blood and gore. (laughs) Probably more so than this. Only it's animated. So, But if you like that stuff, it is phenomenal. It's a great, great film. But for live action, I think this is better. I think it overall captures the game in a way that is more enjoyable to me now. I know we look back at the other film with a lot of nostalgia, but as many people have gone to revisit it or have come to discover it for the first time before they went to see the new Mortal Kombat film, we've started to learn that there are some rose-colored glasses that come with our memories of the old Mortal Kombat movie. And we're not going to talk about a sequel because that thing is just a hot ball of trash. Anyway, so better than the old one. And also, I think we are getting better at video game movies. To what you said, Patrick, I think we have been making so many strides. I actually randomly looked at my ranking of video game movies list that I keep on Letterboxd the other day. And it's like all within the last five years. It's. Detective Pikachu, it's Tomb Raider, it's this, Sonic is up there, I thought Rampage was really fun for for a movie that was based on a video game that, you know, really had no business having a movie because there's no story, but they've gotten more and more enjoyable, right? And I think that we're never going to necessarily crack the code, and we can talk about why that I think that is when we get into this, but I think that we're approaching kind of the apex of what it could be and so it's getting better as we move forward and i like that i think that that's awesome and i think that when you have people that are gamers involved in your storytelling about video games that it helps and it's going to appeal to that fan base Uh, may not appeal to everyone but it's going to appeal to the people that they're targeting and that is what it is Um, you got to take Take that with a grain of salt when you're trying to evaluate this film and consider that. So, anywho, my word's better. Let's go ahead now and move into the spoiler territory. So we're going to talk about everything and anything, all of our favorite kills, all the blood and gore, all of the very, very deep, incredible pathos and dramatic moments of this film that just had us reeling and unable to stop thinking about them for days on end. No. Come on, we know that didn't happen. It's fine. That's not what this movie was supposed to be. Okay, guys, so my first question, have you seen the original Mortal Kombat movie? I just want to start now with a yes or no. Patrick, I know it's a yes. I'm not going to let you answer. Uh, It's a bold yes for me. It's a many, many times yes. (laughs) Coles, your history with the original film. 
I recently just watched the original film a couple of weeks ago, so I'm newly intact with the, the Mortal Kombat film universe. Okay. Good to know. So we are coming at this from very different places. The two of you are, for sure. Uh, and that's that's interesting. So I wanted that out there for people who are listening to understand when you're going to answer this question. But were you excited going into this? Try to think back. Were you wanting this to come out? Did you think that this had potential to be better than the old one? Or, Patrick, in your case, were you completely content with what existed and you didn't really need this to exist? So I'll let you start since you have a history, Patrick. I was excited about it. I think what disappointed me more than anything was the fact that here in Arkansas, our theaters haven't opened yet. So I couldn't see this on the, quote, big screen. Even though I said big screen in my one-word takeaway, that's usually a euphemism for I watched the movie. So just take that for what it is. (laughs) And in this day and age, that's probably going to be what we get is more the digital times. But I really did look forward to this. I obviously have a lot of nostalgic love for the original movie, Singular, as you mentioned before. The second one does not exist in my mind, just like Indiana Jones 4 or Toy Story 4. The like. Anyway, sorry. I'll move forward. When I watched this movie, I think what I looked for was not similarities, but I looked for how do you improve on what I like subjectively. And I think that what made me look forward to it more than anything was that we were going to get fan-driven stories, fan-driven imagery, no doubt. I knew ahead of time, not that I really want a bunch of gore and violence, but this was a, this was what they needed to do. They needed to give it an R rating. They needed to kind of go all out. I think they avoided an NC-17 rating by talking to the producers or something like that. But this tells you what the creators cared about. They cared about characters. They cared about face-offs and choreography. The things that made me love the, I call it the trilogy, growing up with those because that's what it was. And what you had was this kind of bouncing around of stories. You had this mythology that was being created as these games were coming out. And I think what I was looking forward to the most was seeing how do you incorporate, for me specifically, that era of video game entertainment? How do you balance the ability to create great fight sequences without feeling like your sitting on a pedestal with energy gauges above you, right? Because the whole point of the game is about a tournament. And now we're dealing with a movie both early and now that hardly takes place during a tournament. And so there's a focus on how do we move a story along and keep it interesting and not just make it a highlight reel of all these great fight sequences. Would that be something that we could see? Maybe. I don't know. I might like to see that to kind of, you know, Pit, let's pit Sub Zero against Kung Lao. See how that goes. You know, you kind of have an audience that picks for you. Something completely different. But I think for me, when I look, what I looked forward to the most was to see how can you make what I enjoyed about the first film better. And I think they succeeded for the most part because they took practical and CGI effects. They took really fantastic choreography and they applied it to characters that we care about. Look, it's no secret when you watch this movie who the favorite characters are sub-zero scorpion those are the icons of the original mortal Kombat. of the fab seven those are the two that most people would want to play nobody wanted Liu kang nobody wanted johnny cage nobody wanted sonya some people wanted kano and even a few more people wanted raiden sub-zero and scorpion were who i picked 
on the home console. They're who kicked my butt in the arcades because they were awesome. And so I was satisfied. My biggest question, guys, was who is going to get the most screen time? And when you open this up with Sub-Zero just going crazy on these people in this village, I was like, okay, this is the movie we're going to get. And I was really satisfied. So for me, that's what I was looking forward to is how do you improve? And I say improve in, in air quotes. How do you improve on what I enjoyed from the first movie? And that's to realize what made the original game so appealing, which is this over-the-top violence with a little bit of story sprinkled in. And I really think that's what we got with this 2021 edition. So, Coles, with you not having seen it before, I'm curious, one, why that is, and two, because you hadn't seen it, were you excited for this, or were you just not into Mortal Kombat at all? What was the story there? The video games were more enjoyable than the films at a, at a young age for me. I was familiar that there had been films made, like it's Mortal Kombat 1, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, but playing a game is different than watching a film. I mean, we talk about now how video games are starting to feel like an art form closer to cinema or closer to painting. You know, you have these game designers who are coming together who are making these interactive experiences, and it really draws you in. It, fe it It's feeding you dopamine. It makes you feel like that you're in control. You have power. And I think what made me excited for the new Mortal Kombat film was that I have been playing the newly released games that have been coming out over the last few years, and I was excited to see how they're going to take that and put it onto the screen. When you're watching a film, a film has really a first impression to kind of get you. Now, there are certain films that if you watch again, then you'll feel differently about it than the first time. But for a video game, you can constantly go back and you have the feeling of being in control because you have a controller and you can move around and do these things in the world and you can feel like you are the character that you're playing. For a movie, it's hard to really translate that. And I think that's why video game films have not been successful because it's hard to translate the experience of a person who is playing at home with these video games and having that feeling of enjoyment to a movie in a movie especially when i noticed in the first mortal kombat film that i saw you could tell that the the action it was choreographed it was almost like okay you got to hit this step this person has to hit this punch right here this person has to fall back this person has to feel the impact it felt too staged it felt a little bit too practical for my taste i wasn't getting the feeling that i had playing the games when i saw the trailer for this new film i was like okay they have the advancement of technology on their side and they have these games to look over and glance from and be able to use the source material for creating these characters and when you see it in the film sub-zero moves and fights like sub-zero scorpion moves and fights like scorpion jacks fights like jacks like it's Translating these characters from the small screen and bringing them to the big screen was the huge factor in me loving this film for what it was. Now, was I expecting something compelling? Was I expecting, you know, some Oscar material? Was I expecting a deep story? No. For a video game film, the only thing you have to do is just have fun and make the audience laugh and give the audience some spectacular moments. And in Mortal Kombat, there's a lot of... There's a lot of things you can do with that. The fatalities, the brutalities, seeing Jax be able to do the special move that I did with him where he opens up his hands and smashes a dude's head in 
and seeing the brains fall out, that's exactly right from the game. That's his fatality move. So putting in those details, it's a godsend for people like us who are video game heads. Now, I can't speak for the people who haven't played the game and who are not familiar with the story and for the films. They may have might have a more sour approach to this film. But I think that in order for video game films like this to succeed, they have to adhere to the heart and to the support of the gamers. And it's not saying that a normal film girl who doesn't play games can't enjoy this film. I'm sure they can. At the end of the day, Mortal Kombat is an action film. And it's about hand-to-hand fights. Who doesn't love a good hand-to-hand fight? And who doesn't love great special effects? And who doesn't love costume design and visuals? Those are all things that are going to be favorable to normal film goers. But when you're making a film that is legendary in the video game sector, it's important to get all the little details and the big details right. And this film, it hits all cylinders for me. Okay, cool. So, yeah, it was interesting to see hear that because it's wild to me honestly to hear that you were a big video game fan of the series and yet you weren't really i guess it was after your time though and that's probably the difference is that patrick and i mm-hmm. are about a decade older than you i think and so <laughs> we watched that as a kid where it wasn't in your rotation as a kid and so you would have been coming to it later than us and it would have already started being dated by that point. Whereas when we first saw it, our first experience with it was not cringeworthy, like, oh my goodness, this is bad CGI. It was purely, oh my gosh, this is cool. Like there was no negative analysis at that time for us. That comes in hindsight because technology evolves and we're like, oh, wow, comparatively now, this looks really bad. But in the moment, it looked really cool. Um, so that makes more sense. And, you know, for me, I was extremely excited for the film, especially when James Wan got attached to it. We knew he wasn't going to be directing, but just having a lot of faith in him as a producer and as a director that he was going to go out and treat it with respect. After what he did with Aquaman, I had no doubt that he would do that. He would try to get the character, the characters correct. And he would pay homage to the gamers. He wouldn't try to reinvent the wheel. And that's what I didn't want. And so I was excited when it seemed like that's what we were going to get. And like most of you have said, you know, my expectation was that we are going to get the game, which is fatalities. I mean, I would love it if they somehow worked in ridiculous, you know, babalities and the brutalities and all of it. I mean, even if there's an Easter egg somehow to do that. And and I'm not doubting that they might later on, but those were the critical pieces for me is give me some cool fight scenes and give me fatalities and give me the personalities of the characters as they are in the game. Don't recreate them and make them into something that they weren't. And by that, it definitely felt like it was a success. And I was really pleased with, the way they were able to accomplish that. Now, the film takes two extremely bold chances. One is having us follow a newly introduced character named Cole Young, which is present in order to provide the audience with a point of view for learning about the lore of the world and for experiencing everything around him for the first time, just like 
we do or let, or those who are not super familiar with the games would be doing when they walked into this movie. They can do that along with Cole as he experiences that. The other chance is staging a movie based on a video game fighting tournament without an actual tournament. And those are the two big choices that I want to talk about. So I want to start with Cole Young as a character. He is technically the lead of this film. He's the one that is new. He's not in the video game series, so he's coming out of left field. That means we've got a new character with a new power. So did you like that? How did he work for you from a charismatic standpoint? How did he work for you as a lead? Does he fit into the story well? Did it work? Did it not work? Patrick, what did you think of Mr. Cole Young, the MMA fighter? I would have liked him more if he, if we didn't have everybody else. I know that Mortal Kombat as a, as a potential franchise has sort of set this movie up to do new things, to introduce <laughs> more of the thousand characters that they've created over the years. And I understand that you've got to throw in your your big people. You've got to throw in the, the, the big seven. Got to. With the exception of Johnny Cage. And it's a it's a bold move to let a new character essentially let you know let us get involved in his world. Let us follow him and essentially live vicariously through him. The challenge I have with him though is the fact that he doesn't have a backstory and it doesn't take a lot of time to develop that. I mean, we know he's the missing kid. And so there's not a lot of agency from a story point of view, besides the whole revenge. I'm going to try to figure this out. I've got to find my chi or whatever it was called. I don't remember what it was. And so if we'd gotten most of the movie to spend with him, get his origin story, and then maybe in a second movie, really explode like we did that would have worked better for me from a story standpoint but i completely understand why we didn't do that because of the fact that you came here to see the all-stars you came here to see the folks that you grew up and loved you didn't come here to see cole and i think that those that rip on him they take that like we didn't need him probably not if you were just looking for a highlight reel of all these great fight sequences but you needed a story. You needed something to latch onto that was going to get you from point A to point B to point C. And I think this is what makes storytelling really fun is your plot doesn't have to be in depth. It doesn't have to leave you feeling like, man, that was amazing. As long as it's satisfying and really is self-aware of those satisfactions of getting the audience what they want, which is getting us introduced to, all right, what's Zero going to look like? How's he going to act? What's Scorpion going to do? And Coles, to your point, getting those things right, I think was a detriment to Cole's character. So I didn't attach myself to him very well. I'd be like, okay, so he's he's a means to an end. That's fine. The other thing that bothered me was, well, I don't mind. In fact, I kind of thought the way in which these fighters get their quote power. I thought that was kind of cool. You kind of have to find it. Love that Kano is getting his by just being angry. Uh, for instance, I did not love Cole's power. He gets a suit of armor. Great. So you can get punched and then you can absorb that and 
shifted. It was hard for me to kind of understand what was going on because his fight with Goro was a little messy. And so when he gets it, I'm like, okay, but is that a deal breaker or is that just kind of a upgraded version of Johnny Cage or an upgraded version of Liu Kang? I, I don't know. And so overall, his character was just kind of meh to me. But he he worked in terms of servicing the story and getting us to the points that we wanted to. So as a guide, I think he worked just fine. But I, if there is a sequel, I don't know that I'm going to love him even more in the second movie because the one thing I'm going to be thinking about is I'm excited to see The Miz as Johnny Cage because I know that's what people want to see. And, and And really what we saw in the first movie, I think, is what most people are going to want in the second. Let's see more characters that didn't show up or that haven't died yet really come into the world and let's also get you know to the tournament but as far as cole goes yeah those are my thoughts since this film is about fighting it was nice to see that cole duffy was the bridge to have someone be involved in mma mma is the number one combat sport right now i mean ufc fights they're almost like the new pay-per-view fights that were boxing in the 90s. So it was great to see that. It was great to see that this guy was essentially fighting to make $200 a day, but all because he wanted to support his family. And because fighting's been in his spirit, but he doesn't know why it's in his spirit. So Cole is experiencing a hero's journey in this story. And it's okay. It's decent. It's, it's fine. I've seen this underdog story many, many times before. I just wish that the actor was a little bit more charismatic, a guy that could be able to take command of the screen, even though you are surrounded with these supporting stars like Sub-Zero, Scorpion, and Kong Lao, and Liu Kang. Any new character is going to get swallowed up by those guys because those guys have been in the game for over 20 years at this point, so everybody knows who they are. But as a new character, you got to establish a foothold. You got to establish a presence in... Cole Young is never able to do that. For me, I felt the actor was trying to play him too serious at points instead of kind of getting a little bit campy, a little bit goofy with it. It, it felt like this was almost like a film that I had watched a couple weeks ago called Never Back Down, which is about this guy who was trained to beat the, the schoolyard bully. And that character felt like what Cole Young was to me. It felt like he was a guy who was just training to beat the bit bad. And that's all he was. And then at the end, He's able to get his powers, and like Patrick said, I mean, his powers are just the offspring of the vibranium suit that Black Panther wears. He gets hit, he can absorb damage, but he doesn't have any special moves. He doesn't. He's not able to do a fatality or anything like that. He doesn't get that grand moment. The grand moment is then handed off to Scorpion. And yes, it was nice to see Cole Young and Scorpion be able to tag team on Sub-Zero. That was a great moment, but that moment is great because of Scorpion entering in the picture, not because of Cole Young himself. So for me, Cole Young is just a character who is the typical hero's journey archetype. He is going through some things. He ends up finding out about this new world of Mortal Kombat. He's trying to find his inner spirit and he's having a struggle time doing it. He gets setbacks. His family gets threatened. And then you know what? At the end, he ends up finding his inner spirit. He gets his powers and he saves the day. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, so you were gonna, you said what I would would have said right at the start, which is I think it makes sense to have a character in the MMA world because MMA is the sport, and it fits as a stand-in for what Johnny Cage 
has been in the series in a sense. Uh, I think that had he been more wisecracking like you're talking about, then we would have probably criticized him for being too much like Johnny Cage. <laughs> and then it would have been like, well, why do you need Johnny Cage if you have a wisecracking, smart-ass character already in the movie? What I liked about him is that he comes from a family. He has a wife and a young daughter, and he's a normal dude. Like, I mean, yes, he's an MMA fighter, but he has kind of that... Um, Adonis Creed backstory where he's like doing underground fights for $200 now. He's a, he's a former champion in this case who just doesn't really seem to have it anymore. So I, I thought that his backstory was fine. Personally, I thought that we got enough of him and we got the, the scenes with his family were critical for me, um, was, was good, a good way to, to make me kind of latch onto him in a way that some of the other characters, I wouldn't because I don't care about their histories. I care about their appearances in the game, and that's what I know them as. And let's be honest, like, the story of the games is not the thing that matters. It changes, it's been retconned, it's been all over the place. Like, yes, the overarching plot is always the same. There's a tournament to decide whether or not the Earth gets taken over, essentially, right? Like, that's the bottom line. But what happens along the way and who falls in love and who doesn't. And, and, and those things are come and they go. And so for me, I like the fact that Cole Young was a seemingly like normal movie character with these other realistic traits. Um, you know, but yes, that does kind of make him kind of boring when he comes up against all of these other exaggerated video game personas. So it's a, it's a hit. It's a kind of a win loss thing. Like you can't, I don't know how you do that in a way that it works, because if you're putting him in there with an exaggerated personality, but no attachment to him from the audience and no attachment to him from the video game crowd because he never existed, then that doesn't work either. So I think it, it worked about as well as you could expect. You know what I mean? I think it was serviceable. Definitely not the high point of the movie, but he didn't sink it for me either. He's a good actor, and I, I think he did fine. I do think it's necessary to have that POV because folks that are coming to this, God bless them. I can't imagine. I've seen people online who had no idea what Mortal Kombat is and they're like, you know, trashing it. Some are trashing it. Some are asking questions legitimately like what the heck is blah, 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 blah. And of course, you know, to me, it's all, uh, well, of course it's blah, blah, blah. You know, I know all of the backstory, but I can't imagine trying to watch this and not understand that. People are like, so why did uh, Sub-Zero say for the Lin Kwai? And why is, you know, Scorpion, he mentioned a clan at one point. And what is, what's the deal? Because they don't really go into that backstory of the two characters and why they're even at war. We know because it's in the very first game. Like it's, it's a very, goes back to the backstory of those two characters for decades now. But Cole Young does a serviceable job. I will say I am not a fan at all of his power. I think it is boring. I think it is, it was just kind of lame, to be honest. I am hoping that it evolves. I do like the, in general, idea of calling it their arcana and unlocking their arcana. And so that's new to the movie, for those of you who don't know. Giving a reason for why some of these characters have superpowers, I think is cool. That make it like Chi, as somebody mentioned, it's sort of like that. And I think that that was neat. And I think that it gives the opportunity to, 
maybe even have it evolve in future films. So it may be something more than what we've seen already in this film for Cole Young. I think having him take down arguably the biggest non like major top, you know, leader villain in the universe in his first go, maybe a bit ambitious of a choice. Goro is not the easy guy. Like he's not known for being the one that should be taken out by the rookie. In my opinion, I think that was a little lame. I didn't mind the fight itself, but I just think Goro went out way too easy in my opinion, because that's not Goro. (laughs) That's just not Goro. And he would have torn Cole Young apart in pieces quickly. And so that was a little frustrating because now Goro's gone. And I mean, maybe he comes back. Maybe they're able to do that. Who knows? Well, the other choice uh, was that they decided not to put it into a tournament. Kalesa, I'll let you start. What did you think about the idea of a Mortal Kombat movie eschewing the idea of putting these characters in a tournament to fight and rather kind of having them go at it on the side beforehand? It's clever because it goes against exactly what everyone is expecting for these films to be about. I love that they went with a new method of the outworld trying to get a leg up on the competition by taking out the celebrated fires before they have a chance for the tournament. It says in the beginning of the film that Shang Tsung, I hope that's the way you pronounce his name, he talks about that the prophecy could be correct and that we could lose this tournament. We won nine straight, but we could lose this tournament. So I think it's in our best interest to go ahead and take out the celebrated fires on Earth. And so then we can go ahead and not have to worry about a tournament. And yes, that's cheating. But like Shane says, I'm I'm not playing by the rules. I'm trying to um, take over Earthworm. I'm going to do it any way possible. So I like that they went away from the tournament because it would have been easy just to see. And it would have been kind of lame, in my opinion, just to have these guys sitting on the side waiting like, hey, come on, Jax, get ready. Come on, get ready. Use your move. Use your best move. Like It would have been just so standard and just cheesy for me. I'm kind of glad that they went with the story of the Outworld being evil like they are, trying to get rid of the fires before they can get to them in a combat realm. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think what makes the story work of Mortal Kombat, not necessarily the movie itself, is the fact that every character feels really unique. I Even of the characters you didn't like, you still knew who they were. So in the original trilogy, I always picked Raiden or Sub-Zero. But you always knew that Sonya Blade was there. You always knew that Kano was there. You always knew that Johnny Cage, Liu Kang was there. And the issue that you have with this roster of characters, beyond just those original three, but you know this slate of characters that have been created over the last what 20 years is the fact that somebody's got a favorite like i'm watching this movie and i'm like okay who's gonna die who's gonna die because not everybody can live i mean you've got bad guys and good guys and you've got people who you know i knew friends that love playing as katana and some (laughs) playing as reptile and some playing as you know night wolf well some of these characters don't make it some of these characters die Kung Lao is one of these characters that that dies. And I'm like, what? I liked playing as him. He was kind of cool. He had the he had the cool hat. And so we're not getting him back. And if you tried to fit even a small roster of characters into a tournament, your audience is going to be like, well, what about this character? What about these guys? 
what about this, 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 and this? And so as a, as a creative team, you've got to find some kind of balance of saying, all right, what world are we building? What story are we going to tell in this installment? Because again, obviously there is a setup for a second film. And I think part of the question is, what do we hook our audience with and who can we sacrifice? And I think when it came down to this tournament, this is where I feel like long form storytelling really works. Cause if this were a series, I would watch it weekly because of the fact that you have so much story that you can tell. Like you could essentially make your whole first season, not even getting to the tournament, but you have these backstories about these characters that you need. So you have one episode focuses on Sub-Zero, one focuses on Scorpion, one focuses on Johnny Cage, all these characters that at some point will start interacting. It remind would remind me a lot of Lost, where you have this mythology that you're set up with, and then these characters that you're starting to understand, oh, that's why they do what they do. Completely understand that you're trying to pack this into a less than two-hour movie, and I think taking the tournament out and giving more agency to trying to sabotage that tournament or sabotage the players in that tournament makes a lot more sense because you don't have to involve 30 characters. You can involve 10 and you can create alliances. So at the very least, I think what this movie has done is it's allowed us the ability to say, okay, we have good guys and bad guys, but we also have the gray guys like Kano. You know, he's a mercenary. You knew at some point he may flip, but maybe he doesn't. But then you've got other characters that sort of fall in those same lines throughout the game series. And you're like, man, I wonder how this character is going to come in. Or are they going to bring this character in? Who's Noob? Are they going to bring in Noob Sabat? Are they going to bring in Nightwolf? Are they going to bring in these other characters that are fan favorites without necessarily saying we have to give them all backstories? Because nobody wants 24 characters to have backstories. That's just insane. So I think by removing the tournament, at least for now, allows us the ability to hang out with these characters and enjoy them and then find opportunities when the ranks have been sort of trimmed down. We're like, okay, you can only bring eight, like your top eight fighters. And so maybe Mortal Kombat 2 is part of that where you have 12 fighters and there's this big event that takes place where those 12 fighters get whittled down to eight and so your top eight or top six or whatever from mortal kombat 3 go fight in the the tournament and whatever happens in mortal kombat 2 is like these like off-world adventures or off-world battles whatever i don't know maybe more of a expansion of what we saw in the back third of the movie of this one so i think it was a bold move and i also think it was a good one because i think it would have been very distracting Celeste, to your point we would have seen people on the sideline and that's boring we don't want that. We want to see Sub-Zero kick some booty. We want to see, uh, you know, Liu Kang do his thing. And the way they did that, guys, was fantastic. The fact that you had them pair up and like, all right, cool. We get to see these things. And now we get to see what we've come here to see, which is just blood, death, and gore in that order. Yeah, I didn't mind it at all for this film. In fact, I love the way you put it, Coles, that it was a clever way to kind of trick us because we all would have this expectation that, of course, it's going to be another tournament. Duh, like, what else would it be? And then we're like, oh, it's not there. It was brilliant, and I think it worked really, really well in this one film. I have questions about how it will go forward. I know Patrick is just sitting there trying to think through it, and we could do that. And I, And it, it's, you know, the game's... What they do is really intriguing because they will 
have, have fights, but they don't have winners and losers all the time. And I think that you're going to have to have more of that. If you're going to stretch this out and make it ongoing, you're not going to let every single fight can't end in a death, right? It just can't. That's not going to work. But what they'll do is the games will jump back and forth, the various things that are happening on Earth, things that are happening in Outworld, and different sectors and factions. And I would like to see characters fighting against other non-combatants first. You can throw in some of those scenes. The opening uh, uh, scene with Scorpion fighting off Sub-Zero's troops is amazing. Like, that's great, amazing action. Like, we before he even fights Sub-Zero, right? So give us some of that action. for the. Get, let us see the characters, like, easily dispatching normal human or whatever, alien, other beings before we see them get to the point where they're facing off against each other. Um, that would be where I would like to see it go from here and expand. I mean, I think you had to do it here in this first one because that's what we want and that's what we need. It wouldn't work without that. You need to give us one-on-ones. But you're right. When characters are getting killed off, it can be a double-edged sword when it's happening so fast. Kung Lao is like my favorite. So I got both an incredible high when I got to see him use his fatality that I love, and I got to see a great animation of him teleporting in via his hat, and then I got a, oh my gosh, like jaw drop, no, like close as I came to crying in this movie, moment when he goes away, right? Because his soul is sucked. Now, that allows, because of this universe, the great thing about it is the rules allow them to do really whatever they want. His soul was sucked by Shang Tsung. So can he come back? Probably. Like part of what happens in the games is when that happens, they come back, but they come back like bad. And so I'm actually fully expecting Kung Lao to make a reappearance, but I think it's going to be his opposite side, like his negative form or whatever. In the game, they're like gray with red eyes. And that's because they're controlled by Shang Tsung. And I would expect that the movie does something very similar, and I think that would be fun. I think it would be a great way to get us, our characters that we know and love, back into the film without having to dispatch of them. Now, some of them are going to be quick one-shots, right? Like Natara, the vampire flying bat, you know, character who Kung Lao dispatches of easily. Like, she she didn't get a backstory, she doesn't have a lot of super fans, and she's gone, <laughs> and she's probably gone for good. And that's fine. You're going to have to have some characters that you do that to. That's part of why I was so frustrated with Goro, because Goro's not on that level. Goro should should be on a different tier, uh, in my opinion. But I did. I like the fact that it wasn't a tournament, and I'm excited to see what they can do with it going forward. Well, as we're talking about characters, this is perfect because so the series is also well known for its violence. We've mentioned that we talked about a wealth of good fight scenes in this one and the gore being partially what it's expected to have. And that is what is going to make this a success in the eyes of the game fans. So I know that we were all satisfied. So I just kind of want to talk about favorite characters, favorite moments, favorite fatalities, because this game this game <laughs> this movie is about fan service and so we're fans and like what served us what got us excited what made us like do the leonardo dicaprio point at the screen 
from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood going, oh my gosh, that's that. I'll tell you, for me, I mentioned one of them, which is Kung Lao, because he was my favorite character to play with. Another great moment for me happened during my second viewing of the film in IMAX. I didn't see it the first time when I watched it at home. But when Jackson Sub-Zero, Jackson Sub-Zero are fighting in a warehouse, Jax enters the warehouse and he has a gun with a light on the gun. And as he enters, the light moves across the screen in a way that is highlighting this background image of graffiti on a wall. It's a bunch of concrete and then you know the warehouse is all dilapidated and on that wall i saw what looked like a code and at first i was like why is the contra code back there i saw up and down arrows and, a, and an l and an r and a, like a start or something went and looked it up it's the actual combo for the fatality that sub-zero uses on jacks to break his arms in that fight that kind of easter egg got me hyped Seeing Nightwolf on a board got me hyped. Seeing Katana's fan in the background when they were at Shang Tsung's place or whatever, like that got me hyped. I love that stuff and I could just eat up all of those moments. I thought they were great. Um, I really enjoyed the details of things like Kano getting stabbed in the eye with a gnome. The reason I like that is because Kano is known for this plate over his face, this metal plate that covers his laser eye. So if he gets hit in the eye, now we know that he's not necessarily dead because the film specifically tells us, don't think that. Like <laughs> Shang Tsung says, you know, it's just another death is just another portal or whatever. So now if Kano comes back, he got stabbed in the face, right? So it would make perfect sense if he comes back with a faceplate over his right eye. Like it, I... Those, that kind of setup for me was a big, big highlight. The one thing I do want to say that character-wise, I had trouble with Raiden. And it's because Christopher Lambert is so iconic in that role for me that it's not that it was bad acting. It's that it just wasn't Christopher Lambert. And, and I mean, there's nothing that you can do other than say, when somebody has performed a role in a way that you just cannot ever see anybody else take that mantle from them. And that's what it felt like to me, especially combined with, I, I was not a fan of the white contacts. I almost wish they would have just gone with CGI light coming out of his eyes instead of like actual eyeballs that were kind of white, but like kind of bright. It was kind of weird and freaky looking to me and, and a little off-putting. So I thought Raiden was a sad, sadly not as strong as he could have been. He didn't feel like the uber powerful controlling god that he does in the first Mortal Kombat film. And I missed that. Um, but I did love the lightning animations, of course, when we do get to see them. And I wish that there had been more of that. But I, I liked lots and lots and lots of the fatalities and fights. I don't want to take them all. Um, Patrick, we'll start with you. Favorite characters favorite moments what was it for you sub-zero hands down for me and i think it's his introduction that really got me into the film the way in which the art direction took time with showing how his powers work i think that this is a smart use of cgi because obviously we're suspending our disbelief when it comes to these powers and you know his battle with scorpion was pretty epic i think just like the movie starts with 
their rivalry. It's going to end with their rivalry. It makes perfect sense to me. But really seeing how he dismantles the folks in the village and then how pre-Scorpion comes out and uses practical choreography, practical moves to show us what we're going to get later on with the spear. I love that. And I think for me, that was probably my favorite choreographed scene. And I think it has to do with the fact that it was at the very beginning that it tells us that they're not pulling any punches. They might be pulling heads and arms, but they're not pulling punches in this film. And it wasn't really about the over the top graphic nature, but it was about the fact that they were saying, this is the world that was created by Midway and by these other development companies over the years. And we want to be true to that. And what made it great for me was the fact that they didn't skimp on the choreography. They didn't skimp on these practical maneuvers where you just had weapons that were CGI'd in and all they were doing was just moving around really quickly. No, there were moments in that whole sequence where I was like, wait, I, what, what just happened here? In fact, I remember reading a piece of trivia that the actor that played Sub-Zero had to be told to slow down because he was moving too fast in some of his scenes when he was doing the fight choreography. But for me, that opening sequence and that particular standoff, not only seeing how Sub-Zero had no mercy on characters, on other characters, other, other people, other uh, characters in the movie, combined with the standoff, that initial standoff um, with pre-Scorpion. I can't remember what the, what the character's name was. Um, I also thought it was really interesting. It introduced us to the fact that in my ethnocentric brain, I'm like, oh, they're telling us that something's in Japanese because in their culture, you have various versions of, of Asian language, just like when we hear English and then we see Spanish on the screen. I, I hadn't actually experienced that before where you had two native languages that had to be translated within the movie. So one character by showing us, you know, this is in Japanese. Oh, that means that that character doesn't understand Japanese. And maybe in my, again, in my ethnocentric brain, I'm like, well, you should understand that because it's all, you know, whatever. But no, it's not. They're distinct languages. And I like that we got that early on because it came back, obviously, from a, uh, you know, a dialogue standpoint to help me understand. Okay. Yep. You're exactly right. Um, they're in two different languages. They live in two different parts of the world. And, that makes sense to me instead of just lumping them into they're all Asian languages. Nope. They're distinct. And, uh, you know, that added some flavor for me. There's a scene where Shang Tsung is just sitting and he's watching Kung Lao fighting one of his minions. And I think there's a scene where Kung Lao, he throws his hat at Shang Tsung and all Shang Tsung does is just crook his neck. Like he almost breaks it a little bit, just moves it to the side and the hat misses. I just love that little scene. I don't know. I get a big laugh out of it. Jax with his like struggle arms in the beginning I felt so sorry just looking at this guy because he's obviously trying to fight he's trying to help when Sonya Blade is getting her butt whooped and his arms are just they're just weak they're, they're not able to do anything so when he is finally able to have his inner power come alive and his arms just turn into those game buses that I'm used to seeing on the video game I immediately just did like a whoo, like I just I celebrated. It was it was it was a crowd pleasing moment for me. And 
I liked at the end where the fighters were able to just get their individual revenge on people who have been antagonizing them throughout the whole film. Like when Sonya Blade finally gets Kano and she's able to stab him in the eye with the gome, that was a good moment. And also seeing Luke Kang hit his 20 combo kick in the air move. That's like, I think if I had to pick an all-time favorite move, that's probably my favorite move from the game. And so it was nice to see that in the film. And also nice to see that Luke Kang is able to do things with fire. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch Mortal Kombat Annihilation because I heard so many pitiful things about it. So I didn't, didn't take the chance with it. But I noticed in the first film that we didn't see Luke Kang use any of his fire powers. And... I'm so ver- well versed in the video game that I was wait that I was waiting for that to come to fruition and it never did. So it was great to see that in the movie, which is once again the creators and the directors and the writers are able to translate the video game to the film screen. And also like during Jax and Sub Zero's fight, like at the beginning, Jax is like he's able to hold his own a little bit. He's blocking. And then he just tells Sub-Zero, I've done six tours. (laughs) And, you know, it's like, it's another reminder that Jax, he was a Special Forces soldier. And throughout the film, we see him and Sonya talk about their past experiences being Special Forces. And that also leads to how they know about Mortal Kombat and what how they're able to introduce it to Cole Young. So for people to say that this film doesn't have any, like, dramatic touches, they're wrong. Because I see it in this film i see it with jackson sonya blade i see it a little bit in the cole young story i see it with luke kang especially when kung lao is has a soul suck luke kang tastes personally not trying to do a michael jordan meme and we we also see that by the end the setup for a sequel where saying son says something to the equivalent of we don't die we multiply <laughs> you know um just because one of us dies right here doesn't mean i can't bring them back according to the rules of this world and that's a nice that is a nice setup to let us know that just because these characters are killed doesn't mean that they're gone forever. They could come back in any form or situation possible, which makes me happy to know that they're planning to do a whole franchise of these films. And I would say the big moment for me, which we'll talk about later in the connecting point, is when Scorpion does show up. Yeah, the last one I we nobody really specifically called it out probably because it was so obvious for all of us but just the stinger at the end is everything and, and it's that classic let's freaking go screaming moment when cole young is leaving the gym and says he's going to hollywood and the camera pans over to a poster with johnny cage's name on it and so you know that and i love how subtle it is it's not in your face like it's not like I'm going to go meet Johnny Cage, right? It's it's a very subtle way of kind of teasing that, and it gives people the hype that they were expecting. It, it fulfills the hype because people were expecting to see him in this film, and so when they don't, they know that the, he's coming. And it just, I think it's a great tie-in and a great kind of segue to take us out of that film and leave us on the ultimate high. Um, of excitement for the next one because that's it's it's a marvel franchise type formula that's how it works right and i think that they executed that to perfection well you mentioned connecting point so we will go there next i don't have one nothing that dramatic happened enough to really give me a memory of anything Uh, you know this was great but i just don't have a connecting point patrick doesn't have a connecting point either we both agree that it was just you know super fun to watch 
So, Kales, what was yours that you were just there talking about a second ago? Easy one to call out. I mean, we knew from the beginning when we see Sub-Zero and Hanzo fighting in the forest, we know that eventually that they're going to run it back again. But the way in which they're able to handle Scorpion coming into the film is grand- is grandiose in a sense. Honestly, I would expect it for the film to introduce Scorpion much earlier. I thought he was going to come in much earlier, like towards the middle of the film. Once we got all the fires from Earth that were practicing and training for their um, inner power. But when we have the fight between Cole Young and Sub-Zero, we're seeing that Sub-Zero is obviously getting the upper hand. I mean, Cole Young, I mean, he's a new guy. He has his powers, but he's no match for Sub-Zero because Sub-Zero is practically he's OP'd in this film. And I love every bit of it. Even though he's the villain, just seeing him use his ice, you know, in just so many different varieties and different ways of just taking down people, it was awesome to watch. And when you finally see Scorpion come in, he's just off the screen, but you hear that familiar sound of the chains. And then you see the rope, and then boom, you hear it come through Sub-Zero, and then you hear, get over here? Yes, that that is the crescendo moment of the film for me, and... It was my favorite. It was my favorite scene. If I wasn't watching it in the movie theater, I would have been. I would have been cheering, jumping up, probably clapping or whatnot. Especially given that theaters are kind of empty at this point, so no one would have like tried to throw me out or anything like that. So yeah, uh, Scorpion's grand interest was the connecting point because it was simply the best way to introduce a famous character like him. Fair reason, my friend. I see no reason why that shouldn't <laughs> evoke that reaction from you. It was definitely exciting. That's for sure. I think. I went back and watched the trailer for this after seeing the movie. I've started to not watch trailers as much as possible. I'm not actively freaking out and trying to cover my eyes in the movie theater. So when I'm there, I'll watch whatever's there. But I'm not going out of my way to click on them on social media. And so I hadn't caught a Mortal Kombat trailer, thankfully. And when I saw the get over here and a couple of the fatalities in the trailer, I was a little annoyed. And that's <laughs> part of it just re you know, establish why I want to stay away from trailers more because that kind of stuff, man, I, I would have not had nearly as much fun with that get over here moment if I'd have seen it out of context in the trailer. And I actually saw people complaining about it online before they saw the film about how oh, it sounds terrible. Well, it looks completely different in the trailer. You don't know what's coming and, and the buildup and you don't realize that he's not been in the movie for an hour and a half at that point. You know what I mean? And so I just, I, yeah, I just mm, I have a rough spot with trailers um, at this point in life. And so I'm just, I'm glad that I didn't have that ruined for me. Well, before we say goodbye, I wanted to give a quick shout out to another podcast that I did last year during the pandemic. And it's called The Games We Love. And it was obviously a video game podcast, if that's not uh, obvious, actually. And one of the episodes that we did was on Mortal Kombat 11, the game. And I got to interview and talk with a guy named Khalif Adams. He is an awesome video game reviewer and content creator. He streams on Twitch. He has an amazing podcast called Spawn on Me. And we just dug deep into reviewing the video game. He talked about the lore in way depth, way, way more in-depth way than I could ever imagine. And so it's on there. It's out there in the world. You can find it. It's called the Games We Love Podcast. Download it. It's episode 10, I believe, of the show. Uh, and if you're a big game fan and you've played more Mortal Kombat 11, check it out. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of our episode. In case 
anybody wants to check out the group that we come from, come onto Facebook and check out the Filling Film Discussion Facebook group where we have plenty of great conversation involving movies and movie news. Once again, guys, thank you for the great conversation and have a good night. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter, at FeelinFilm, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places and would love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling filmed.